everyone, and welcome to the South Carolina Disaster Corps podcast, the exclusive podcast that is dedicated to the education of South Carolinians on a variety of topics within emergency preparedness, and the only podcast that strives to apply that knowledge to increase community awareness, resilience, and service. My name is Sarah Ruiz, and I am the host of this podcast. Today, I am joined by Public Information Officer Stephen Combs. Stephen? Hey, Sawyer. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you and, and your guests about the uh, importance of emergency management and emergency preparedness here in South Carolina. Definitely. Uh, and a lot of people probably don't know what a public information officer is and how they interact with the community, but that's why it's good to have you on here so you can explain all that. So what is a public information officer? So there's many hats that a public information officer wears. The, we, we typically have a, an eye on everything in emergency management. Uh, for a critical incident, we're typically the individual who acts as the liaison um, and provides that critical information for the public, for our um, first responder community. And so we do a variety of activities. We uh, write press releases, we maintain uh, connectivity with the media, and we conduct interviews. We're generally on scene if there's an incident. And in that process, we do a, uh, a live interview, live on the scene. We also do community education and outreach. So we provide materials for people to know what they can do to be prepared. So there's, there's a number of things that, as a public information officer, you're involved with. But it's basically the interaction between the media and the communities that are served. Okay. And so you work for Anderson County Sheriff's Office, correct? Correct. I work in the um, Sheriff's Office, and I've been here for just about six years now. Okay. And so you talked a lot uh, briefly about how you did like training for uh, citizens as well. Could you give some examples of that? Sure. So one of the things that we've done historically when we're not in a, a COVID period mm-hmm. and we can actually have a lot of good public interaction, we've done a community education series called um, Community Preparedness. And that was a once-a-month class that we did to help people understand what's are, what are some things that they can do to make sure that their families are prepared. So it might be something as simple as preparing a kit or developing a community or a family uh, communications plan. Uh, we also talked about how do you operate a fire extinguisher and having smoke detectors and things like that in your home. So what we try to do is give people the tools and resources that will help them be better prepared to face a disaster. We always try to tell them that the first 72 hours of a disaster are on them. So often we say the first 72 are on you. And the reason being is that in a crisis, you may or may not have power. You may not have access to, to potable water. And so we want people to make sure that they have all of the supplies, whether it be canned foods, things like that, so that they can survive the first 72 hours of a disaster until emergency responders can be on scene. And you mentioned COVID. And how has our current predicament in this pandemic, COVID, changed how you operate as a public information officer? Well, I think all of us are seeing a a great deal of changes with respect to the way that we interact with the public. Our training tends to be um, through a a Zoom. We actually aren't doing any types of uh, in-person training. And the, the community really relies on that type of personal interaction to get the job done. And so it's, it's put a limit on what we can do. Uh, we're hoping that by the first part of the year, we can get back to putting those classes on and providing them. But right now, we're still kind of in a holding pattern to see what this thing does. Gotcha. So how does, in the past, when you had your day-to-day interactions with the public and then a disaster would strike, 
How would your interaction with the public differ between those two different types of duties? So if I'm understanding your correct your question correctly, what you're asking is, is there a difference between a day-to-day communication and what we would typically do during a disaster correct. or a crisis? Absolutely. So on a day-to-day basis, what we're doing is generally helping people with preparedness messages, um, providing information about where they can go to get um, plans, uh, to know what their evacuation routes are, if if they live on the coast or if they live near a, a fixed nuclear facility, such as the Oconee Nuclear Station, mm-hmm. to know what their evacuation zones are so that they're prepared in the event that an emergency occurs. Uh, during a crisis, what we're doing is delivering life safety messages. What do I need to do right now for the immediate safety of my family? In public information, one of the things that we talk about is getting the right information to the right people at the right time so that they can make the right decision. And so it's critical that we get the right information from the incident commanders or the individuals that are kind of overseeing the field operations. Most of the time during a crisis situation, we're not on the boots on the ground. We're typically working out of an emergency operations center. And so we rely on the people that are actually in the field and uh, dealing with the situation so that we know exactly what information to get out. If there's debris in the roadway, um, avoid this road. Um, if there's flooding, avoid this road. Um, so we, we try to make sure that we're giving people real-time information to keep them safe in the middle of that crisis. Okay. And do you have any examples of recent of, uh, events where you've had to give information to the public? And what methods do you use to give that information? What are all the outlets that you utilize to give that information to the public? So in our proximity here in Anderson County, we're very fortunate that we haven't had major disasters in in quite a while. Uh, Earlier this year in February, we did have uh, some pretty significant storms that moved through and left uh, a debris field. And so there was a lot of debris that needed to be cleaned up, trees that were down, down power lines, that kind of thing. Um, and in those situations, it was more of, hey, this is what you need to do. Just avoid those. Um, when we're talking about situations such as the flooding that happened in October of, uh, what, 2015, the Thousand Years Flood, um, I actually had the opportunity to go down to the State Emergency Management Division and work in the Emergency Operations Center for about 14 days running social media. And social media has become a critical tool for the public information officer to get the information out because it's timely. People know generally where to go to get that information. Um, for our county, we're easy to find at uh, both the sheriff's office, being at Anderson Sheriff. So any social media that you go on that says Anderson Sheriff, that's going to be Anderson County Sheriff's Office. For the Emergency Management Division, it's going to be ACSCEMD. Um, so Anderson County, South Carolina Emergency Management Division. Um, but for the state level, it's very simple as well. You can do SCEMD on any social media platform, and you can find critical information regarding a specific incident. And other than those social media platforms, what are some other uh, like websites or news channels that individuals can go and get that information from as well if they don't have access to those social media platforms? Sure. So we always encourage people. There is a great app that the South Carolina Emergency Management Division has developed. It's called the SC Emergency Manager. And you can download that to either an Apple or um, an Android phone. Very easy to use. It also allows you to store an offline um, emergency preparedness plan for your family, emergency contacts. It gives you evacuation zones. Some other great resources, the American Red Cross 
has a bunch of different um, apps that you can download. And a lot of those are specific to a given disaster. So if you live in an area that's prone to tornadoes or hurricanes, there's a specific app for that type of preparation. Um, and then, of course, here our website is um, ACSC EMD. Actually, excuse me, no, our website is emd.andersonsheriff.org, emd.andersonsheriff.org. And um, we keep a, a good amount of information on there that people can refer to. You can also, if you don't have access to a weather radio, we have a link on our website. Again, that's emd.andersonsheriff.org. There's a link at the top of the page in the weather section that will allow you to listen live to the NOAA Weather Radio, which is broadcast out of uh, Paris Mountain. So there's a lot of great resources. The key is knowing where to find that information and making sure that the information that you're pulling is reliable and verified. A lot of people want to be that citizen news reporter. And while sometimes that's a powerful way of communicating information, they may not necessarily be providing accurate and, and verified information. So anytime there's a disaster, anytime there's an emergency, you want to make sure that the sources that you're pulling information from have credibility. And how often are your websites and your apps updated in terms of information? So the information that we provide, we update at least no less than uh, every six months. But if there's an incident that shows us something better, you know, we learn something as a best practice that another area or another jurisdiction has found to be beneficial, we'll immediately update when we see that. Um, in my role, I have an opportunity uh, once a month, I meet with all of the public information officers, master public information officers around the country. And right now there's less than 100 who have been trained at that level through the Federal Emergency Management Administration. They, they go through an extensive one-year program of developing the tools and resources to be a master public information officer. Prior to that, there's a number of other levels, but that networking gives me the ability to have resources. If I have a question that I can't answer, I can go to them and say, hey, here's a situation that I faced. What can I do to help my community be better prepared so that they're more resilient? And that's important, too, for, for the average every, everyday citizen to make sure you have a good network of people that you can rely on in the event that there is an emergency. If you need to evacuate, I would say you probably want to make a shelter, a public shelter, your last resort. So if you can go to family, if you can go to a hotel if one's available, those emergency shelters are, are, are going to give you the bare bones necessities. They're going to give you a cover over your head. They're going to give you food and a place to lay your head down, but they're not intended for long-term survival. Yeah, definitely. And that's the first thing they always tell you is to make sure, like, if you have family out of state, try to get with them first because they can take care of you. Exactly. And they know you. It's all very personal. Now, you mentioned Master Public Information Officers. And so how does the networking and incidents in other states and even other countries, how does that affect how you guys operate overall as public information officers, like you said, gaining, like learning best practices. Mm -hmm. So what's the process for that for you guys? So there's a number of classes that are available through the FEMA. They're, they've got an entire program that's dedicated just to public information. It starts at a very basic introductory level, helping people understand what the role of a public information officer is. And then it, it advances through how to operate an emergency operations center setting, operating under the incident command structure, so that people know where the public information officer lies. Now, within, within the incident command system, there are four key roles that are part of that incident command. 
and a public information officer is right there. They directly respond to and answer to that incident commander. And so it's critical that they have all of the information because not only are they providing information as a resource to the community, they're also acting as an advisor to the incident commander. They're doing situational awareness to know what's going on. What are the rumors that are out there? How do we address the rumors? What are the needs? You know, we saw during the Houston floods uh, a couple of years ago where social media was being used because the 911 center was so overwhelmed, people couldn't get through. And so they were posting out on social media, help, I need help. I'm on the roof of this building on this street. They were able to get rescue resources out there to those people. The biggest thing for me when I see those kinds of messages is why did people not get out when they had an opportunity? If if you're getting emergency messages that say, get out now, it's time to evacuate. You know, we have hurricanes here on a regular basis in South Carolina, and people are very reluctant to leave their possessions, leave their pets or whatever it might be. For whatever reason, they don't want to leave. But when they don't leave, they put first responders' lives at risk. And so we always want to encourage people to heed that information. With respect to how do we interact with other public information officers around the country, we have a great tool, which is EMAC. It's the Emergency Management Mutual Aid Compact. And that gives us the ability that once our resources are stretched, we can say, hey, I need a public information officer who has knowledge in social media or who has knowledge in video broadcasting. And they'll put that information out. And if there's someone available with those skills, they can respond, and then they're typically deployed to an incident for anywhere between 10 and 21 days, just depending upon the type of incident. We're close to our wrapping up time. So, Steve, if you have any last-minute things and, like, the absolutes that people need to know if they only listen to the last portion of this podcast and just the bare bones, like, hey, this is what you need to know, what would you tell them? Yeah, so the most critical thing for me is making sure that you have a family communication plan. We all are so dependent upon our cell phones, but we've seen in many situations when hurricanes strike across South Carolina that cell phone towers are taken out and there's no way for people to communicate with their loved ones and their family members. So think about that. Also make sure that you have emergency kits with enough food and water for at least 72 hours, preferably more, but every member of your family should have an emergency kit. So if you have children, make sure that they have an emergency kit. If you have um, senior citizens that are in your home, Make sure that they have a kit and think about things such as prescriptions. Get all of those things together on a regular basis so that if you have to leave at a moment's notice, you can do that quickly. Thank you for coming on the show today and talking about public information officers and what you guys do and how you help the community. Uh, For those of you listeners, you are able to find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and the South Carolina Disaster Corps YouTube channel. If you want to learn more about SC Disaster Corps, AmeriCorps United Way, please visit our website, unitedwayofanderson.org. If you want to learn more about the Sheriff's Office... Yeah, your two websites, andersonsheriff.org, and then emergency management is emd.andersonsheriff.org. I thank you, Sawyer, for allowing me to be here. It's been a great opportunity. Thank you. And again, for those of you listening on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe for more content, and if you hit the bell notification button, you'll be notified whenever we release a new video. For those of you who are one of our podcast hosting sites, if you just hit the follow or subscribe button, it will keep you up to date. Again, thank you all for listening with us today, and we hope to see you again next time, and we hope that you remember to stay prepared.